With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 97 of the Talking Chop Podcast. Yes, we've made it. This is the end of 2017. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me for the final episode of the year, the great Scott Coleman. What's up, Scott? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's my pleasure, as always. Uh, I'm out of it, as we've, uh, none of you will know this by now, but this is actually our second attempt at the podcast because I'm really bad at talking uh, in recorded form. But here we are. Yeah. Um, it's actually New Year's Eve. This podcast will go up on December 31st. There's football happening. I'm sort of in that mindset. I've been traveling and not been dialed super in, but it was time to do a podcast. We took last week off, and uh, you and I have not talked about the Matt Kemp trade yet, so I want to start there, man, um, just because I know Eric and I talked about it in podcast form, but I wanted to get your thoughts. I think I already know your thoughts and most people's thoughts, but I do want to at least yeah. allow you to talk about it here in this uh, podcast form. Yeah, I certainly think it's it's one of those rare trades that really benefit both teams, Um we all knew going into the off season that getting rid of Kemp, um, you know, I would argue was probably priority number one. And we all knew it was going to take a lot of creativity and, and uh, you know, and obviously with, with the Dodgers and having worked the last two years there, he was very familiar with, with that front office's goals and what they were trying to do. Uh, it sounds like the deal kind of came together over the last, uh, you know, a couple of days at the winter meetings and, and it certainly benefits. I mean, you know, as far as 2018 goes, it, it limits the Braves of what they're going to be able to do this winter. Not that they were looking to sign any of the big name free agents, but I think they added an extra $23, $24 million in payroll. Um, or not necessarily added, but just assumed it in that trade. But hey, uh, you know, I think Mark Bowman of MLB wrote that the Braves could have around $80 million to play with uh, next winter, which is a lot of money, right? I mean, I remember maybe 10 years ago when they had to sign Derek Lowe and, and Kawakami and a couple other guys. They had $60 million and, and that was a very busy winter. Uh, obviously, free agent contracts have changed since then. and uh, But at the same time, it's been a while since the Braves truly had some money to play with. And I would imagine that they're very active next year. And, and the Kemp trade allowed for that to happen, uh, clearing $22 million or so off the books for next year. So um, I was a fan of it. Getting Kemp off the team is a positive as far as the on-field on product goes. Um, you know, Whether it's Acuna to start the year a little bit later, um, even a guy, you know, a platoon with Lane Adams and someone else is probably a little more valuable than Kemp, just given their ability to play defense. Um, but I'm in favor of it. Uh, I'm, I was I was glad to see the trade happen. It was a bit of a surprise. It came out of nowhere, and I think both of the teams actually announced it, which almost never happens for a you know a big deal of this level. So um, you know, it was it was a worthwhile move, and and while it kind of limits what the Braves might be able to do this winter, it certainly opens things up next year and beyond. For sure, and uh, yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, it is very rare that uh, teams kind of break their own news uh, exclusively. Nobody had that ahead of time. That made it a very interesting 
deal. And of course, it's sort of a uh, more of a um, I don't even know if it's not a non baseball move. It's almost like people were comparing it to an NBA trade because it has yeah. so much to do with salaries and. Um, that kind of stuff and the way that, you know, NBA has a salary matching without having to get too deep into it. You actually have to match salaries on NBA trades, whereas baseball does not have that. But a lot of those are, uh, you know, a lot, of those, a lot of those considerations were in the mix here. And, uh, yeah, as you said, it's uh, it makes the Braves better now, which is the thing that people sort of, I think, sort of ignored. I think um, at, least we, at least we did it on the podcast and, and, on, and on the site. But I do think uh, just getting, ro- getting rid of Kemp just makes the Braves better, especially when you factor in Brady McCarthy being on the roster and uh, projecting as a pretty strong, you know, four yeah. or five starter. Um, yeah. That in addition to just not having Matt Kemp's uh, defense is going to be a nice, a nice helpful thing for the Braves. And of course the money uh, moving down the line, um, uh, yeah. sorry, moving up the line, I should say, taking it all on 2018, et cetera, et cetera. So I wanted to at least let you speak on that. Cause I know uh, we, yeah. we were all itching to talk about it afterwards. It's been two weeks, but uh, you know, it was, it was still okay. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the, uh, um, you know, getting McCarthy. And if you look at the numbers from last year, even though McCarthy only threw a hundred innings or so, um, he was, I believe more valuable than any other Braves pitcher on the roster. So that is true when he's, you know, health, health assuming of course, but, um, you know, he was, he was quite good last year and, and, you know, if he's able to throw even 120, 150 innings to the Braves, that'd be huge. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not gonna tell you he's the best pitcher on the Braves cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that, but, uh, there is a world in which he is the best pitcher on the Braves. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's uh, certainly it's certainly possible given the way that Julio Tehran sort of imploded a little bit last year, uh, and everybody else, while very talented, is still young and relatively unproven. So there you go on that. Uh, we can t- we'll definitely break that down in a little bit uh, when, it, when we talk about the rotation. But a couple of uh, sort of newsy items to hit on in the last couple of weeks since we have done, not done a podcast. Um, nothing huge to be sure, but uh, Preston Tucker is now a guy in the mix in the outfield. He was acquired um, by the Braves for cash and a player to be named later, and the, and the Braves elected to uh, designate Luke Jackson for assignment. Nothing huge there. Tucker was, was actually a little bit of a breakdown from Eric Cole on the side about this. That's, this, this this happened a long time ago now as we're talking about this, but Tucker is a semi-interesting a guy. You know, is not great, not been great in the major leagues, but has some talent, has some pedigree, and could, I guess... Um, Especially if Acuna does not start the season on the roster, could be on the roster in a sort of hybrid fourth outfielder role. If Lane Adams is the third outfielder at the top of the uh, season, uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen necessarily, but he's a guy who could be at least semi-interesting. Yeah, you know, he has some upside, as you said. I mean, he was a once highly regarded prospect, and while his his shine has faded a little bit, I think he'll he'll be in the mix for a, a 25 man roster spot and has some pop. And you know, if the decision is between someone like him and Danny Santana. Um, we can touch on, you know, I, I'll take Lord. Tucker all day long. So, yes. you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's him and Lane Adams do some kind of a platoon. If, if the Braves elect to keep Acuna in the minors for a month or two to, uh, delay his clock, you know, Tucker and Lane Adams are not going to be a great platoon, but they at least won't embarrass you out there. Um, from what I've read, Tucker has a little bit of pop and, and he's okay with the, you know, with his gloves. So I liked it, um, considering they got him for, for practically nothing. Um, I liked it, and, and you know, he has a guy who has a chance to at least contribute in 2018. Yeah, he's not super young. He's, he's 27 years old, but you know, routinely yeah. uh, late in the minors um, was a, a guy who was slugging over 500, had some pop, and that had uh, his uh, his one sort of central uh, campaign in the major leagues in 2015 with the Astros. He had 323 plate appearances, hit, thir- hit 13 home runs, and slugged 437. There was some other stuff there. A sub 300 OBP is kind of troubling, so... I'm oh not, yeah, I'm not expecting too much from him, but at the same time, like he has been in the majors, he's not a complete zero. And uh, for the price of Luke Jackson, who I don't think was going to have a spot anyway, 
I have no real beef with that whatsoever. So, you know, I mean, I don't think uh, we'll talk about Cunha here in a little bit, but Tucker being on the opening day roster while Cunha is not would not be the biggest surprise in the world. You know, Cunha is definitely coming in the near future, but um, Tucker is a guy who could be on the team, and that would not be a huge surprise to really anyone that's paying attention. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised either if he, was, if he wasn't on the team. He's one of those, like, you know, take, take a flyer on the guy if they like him, they like him, and if not, they don't. But uh, he'll be around for at least for the for March, and we'll keep an eye on him. Um, yeah. You mentioned Danny Santana. Let's talk about him for a second as well. Uh, the Braves, we thought we were rid of him because he was uh, genuinely terrible last year. He's a genuinely terrible hitter, um, and he's now back on a minor league contract, which I'm okay with, honestly, because he has been he has been in the past a productive major league player really only yeah. once, but uh, it has happened. So minor league contract is fine, but we're getting into Botafacio territory now, potentially. Yeah, and you know, I think with all the comings and goings and the – organization they need some depth right you know say that two or three of the outfielders in Atlanta get hurt within a you know within a three-day span and all of a sudden you just need a body to stick out there for a couple days before you can figure something out so I I can't imagine he might see a you know a month or two in Atlanta just based on you know the natural turnover with the bench but uh, you know as you said the minor league deal he showed last year that he doesn't really do too much anything well um, doesn't field very well he's not a good hitter obviously um, so yeah, it was, I, it's really kind of hilarious, like yeah, how similar yeah. they are in a lot of ways. You know, Santana had the one fantastic year in 2014 with the, with the Twins, where he had 20 stolen bases and had a 132 WRC plus, but it was basically buoyed by a 405 BABIP, which is never repeated at any level, including the minors. He was always sort yeah. of a routinely low 300s guy that suddenly had a 4 405 BABIP for 400 plate appearances, and since then it's kind of back to where he always was um yeah and it's kind of odd too it's not the same front office obviously you know it's not yeah the, the i guess he's copy just and heart yeah uh, i or, guess i mean but. with a minor league contract it also could be there's there could be some uh something from the cook from you know snicker someone might like him and you know say, hey, sure why don't, we, why don't we just sign this guy and have him as a security blanket like you said so i have no real beef with that it's just i'm hoping beyond hope that he's not actually a part of the plan he could be no. a filler if something goes wrong or you get an injury or something like that but uh, I would yeah. hope that he's not a plan to be on the bench opening day, which the minor league contract would probably suggest that he's not part of the plan, but yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, it's just kind of all those PTSD flashbacks with Bonifacio where we thought he was gone and then he would definitely come back. And um, they are strikingly similar in the way that they play sort of all over the place in some in some ways. And they have they have some speed but not too much else going on. And, yeah, um, a, lot, a lot of Braves fans will be familiar with this uh, conundrum, but hopefully he'll be uh, nowhere near the actual uh, – Body of the team that matters when it ha- when it when it goes on. That's probably a good sign. Yeah. Yep. Um, last thing in terms of the actual news is that Donis Garcia might be leaving. This is still unofficial because he's as of this moment he is still on the Braves roster. But there's been a lot of buzz and there's a, there's apparently an agreement in place with him uh, with a Korean team um, and the Braves. I, I, I last checked a lot of reporting about this had talked about the Braves and, and Garcia negotiating a release to send him over to Korea. Uh, at this point, it'd be a surprise if he did not go over there. Um, at the same time, he's still on the roster for now. So let's talk about this. You know, Garcia has been a punching bag of sorts on this podcast. He really only does one thing well, and that's hit left-handed pitching. He's really kind of bad at everything else. Um, yeah. So I'm not sad about this, but at the same time, like you know, I thought I kind of thought he'd be on the team and kind of have a role this year because of the fact that they have him under contract for basically no money, even though he's not so young. So where are you at with this? And uh, I think we'll probably assume that he's not going to be around just for you know clarity yeah. purposes, even though that's not necessarily the case yet. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I mean, I, with Adonis, he, he doesn't really fit what the Braves are trying to do, which is get younger, get more better defensively. Um, I think he's 34 now or is about to be 34. 
so he, 33. He, he, just, what, 33. Let's, let's be kind, yeah. Adonis. He's only, he's only 32 in nine months, so he'll be 33. Spry 33 years old. Yeah. So Pros, Prospect, Adonis said, Garcia. <laughs> that's right, yeah. He's starting Braves third baseman in 2016, Adonis Garcia. 563 just, uh, plate appearances in 2016 for Adonis. Yeah, good times. Yes. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's because of his defensive limit, you know, limitations and as you said all he really does is hit lefties now if he hit lefties but could play four positions and could run on the bases sure you have a bench guy but uh, just because of those limitations um, it's hard to really see him doing much of anything if he wants to go to Korea and play you know more power to him he is a guy who you know I think he deserves some credit he was 29 30 years old and before getting a chance with the Braves he was a career minor leaguer and and I can only imagine just mentally that probably drains on you being 30 years old and playing in front of, you know, 200 people in, in small towns across the country. So, you know, props for him for sticking with it and getting a chance with the Braves the last couple of years. But if he can make a little bit of money in Korea and play every day and, and get to do all that, uh, you know, more power to him. Um, and, and uh, But as far as 2018 and the Braves go, I don't think he'll really be missed. And if anything, it gives a better shot of a guy like Rio Ruiz having a spot on the team, um, you know, or Camargo, of course, if, if they're going to keep him at third. So, won't uh, won't shed a tear over losing Adonis, but um, you know, good for him, and, and I'm sure the Braves won't have too much of too much of a problem, you know, reaching a financial sediment with the Korean team to let him go. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of uh, pretty much sums it up. I think I think Garcia, uh, we've long wanted to point out um, just how not young he is, and uh, another reminder of that here. So uh, yeah, it is one of those things where he actually was semi useful for a minute. And uh, could have been, at least in some roles, uh, as you said, like he's pretty much a, player, a pure platoon player. I would not have been, I mean, one of the scenarios we talked about even a couple of weeks ago was uh, a pure platoon at third base between um, Garcia and Ruiz as a like fallback emergency option at third base. And that honestly wouldn't have been terrible um, just because Garcia improved as a, defense, as, a, as a defensive player. He was still, he's still pretty bad, but not as awful as he was when he first arrived. And the yeah. bat is legit against lefties. I think it's like a career, like a hundred, like like 130, 140, somewhere in there, WRC plus against left-handed pitching. So that's really useful. But as you said, like he can't really play anywhere else. They tried it in left field. That was not something that you wanted to do a lot of, I would say. So, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where he'll be gone, and uh, I, w- I wish the best for him. I think he'll be uh, very, very good in Korea because he'll just mash, and that'll yeah. be fun. I mean, the guy, there, there are certain players when they go over there that suddenly become uh, stars, and he might hit 50 home runs over there. That would not blow me away. A couple of these major league <laughs> guys who are sort of quad-A players with power yeah. have really succeeded in Japan and in, and in Korea in the past, so um, that might be a good spot for Adonis. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, shouts to him. Hopefully he'll, he'll, hopefully he'll be there, and we won't have to talk about that again in the coming weeks. Um, that kind of does it for news. A couple of things to hit on, though, of course, some some storyline stuff. You mentioned in passing before Mark Bowman uh, wrote up a mailbag in which he dropped the $80 million to spend number by, in 2019. He also said in the middle of that mailbag, and I quote, there is reason to believe what the, the Braves will use an abundance of funds to acquire another proven top-of-the-rotation starter via trade or free agency before the start of the 2019 season, end quote. That's not huge news because we've all kind of assumed that's that's the plan. But just you yeah. know, seeing it from Bowman uh, kind of make, makes your eyebrows raise a little bit. And given the given the eighty million dollar number, we could be talking about free agency. I still think that a trade for a high end starter is more likely than it, than actually just signing one because of the price tags just being out of control for starting pitching. But I mean, I guess they could just sign somebody. I don't think it's going to be now, but maybe maybe after this year, if there's that, that there's just sort of that glaring hole, and they just look at the money uh, sort of burning a hole in their pocket and say, all right, it's time to spend it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting with just kind of how the organization is right now and 
Um, you know, we saw Gohara a little bit last year and we saw Newcomb for half a season and Freed, you know, got a cup of coffee with the big league club. I think that 2018 will really be a good barometer for where some of these prospects are. Um, another year for Allard and Soroka to develop and see where they're at in a year. Um, you know, obviously drafting right with the number five pick and, and I would imagine he starts in double A as a college guy and moves up, see what Gohara does over 150 innings. Uh, see what, you know, Mike fulton last year was his first full season in the big leagues, as hard as that is to believe. Um, you know, a guy who's only made, I think, 58 starts in the major league level. So he's not a finished prospect. He's 26 or 27. Uh, Newcomb, who knows? I mean, it's really just a matter of if he can throw strikes, he tends to be successful. And as we all know, that's not uh, always, you know, it's e- easier said than done for him. But uh, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in someone. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen this winter. I, it just doesn't feel right. Um, but you know, in a year, if if you look at the team and some of the guys progress, and you're starting to look at this team and go, boy, you know, add a free agent or two, and and then trade for somebody, and you have a team that might compete for a you know a wild card spot or a playoff spot of some kind. Um, you know, maybe you do make that big move and finally take the plunge and get a Chris Archer or a Michael Fulmer or someone like that. So. Um, you know, it'll be interesting having the money, as we talked about earlier, the Matt Kemp trade really freed things up uh, for next winter and beyond. And, and it'll be interesting. It's for as quiet and as slow as an offseason this one is, I think next year and, and really the next 12 months or so, I'll project to be pretty busy uh, just with the state of the roster and, and then the payroll obligations as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough. People ask us all the time to sort of project and sort of, you know, tell you names about who the Braves are going to target and trade or free agency. It's very difficult to do that for a number of reasons. You know, look at any 2019 free agent list if you want to try to find somebody that they actually could sign and get uh, start dreaming a little bit. I got some pushback um, on our last podcast for suggesting the Braves would actually consider signing Bryce Harper. Uh, Braves fans don't really like Bryce Harper, and that I would love that. I was reminded of that in a big way. Uh, people were, really, were upset that I even suggested it. Why would the Braves sign Bryce Harper? I'm like, because he's awesome at baseball. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know people don't like him, and that's sort of the dichotomy between someone like uh, you and I who. We're still fans and root for the team to do well, but at least it's a little bit more uh, objective in the analysis. I understand why people wouldn't like Bryce Harper. He's on the rival team, and he's awesome, and he's got the attitude and all that stuff. But uh, anyway, um, going back to it, I mean, guys like Harper and Machado are coming to free agency. I would much rather have the Braves sign somebody like that to a big deal for a long time than a pitcher. I will always be on that train. I There are very, very, very few pitchers who I would ever like the Braves to give a five-year sort of huge free agent contract to. It's just yeah. tough to ever do that, especially because most guys when they hit free agency are on the older side. There was a note in that uh, Bowman piece about Clayton Kershaw. You could dream about that, um, but if Kershaw is healthy and is Kershaw in 2017, which is what you would want if you were trying to sign him, um, he's going to get $40 million a year, I would imagine. I mean, yeah. he's the best pitcher of the last 15 years. Like, I think he's the best pitcher since Maddox, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Pedro would have an argument there, but you know, Kershaw was preposterous and still is. So uh, I don't think he's going to be coming cheap. And, and for, to, to, win a, to win a bidding war against the Dodgers – Good luck with that. Like the Dodgers yeah. have more money than God. So yeah, it's one of those things where if you make a if the Braves were to make that kind of splash signing, it almost certainly will be a will, will be a bad contract. Uh, just how bad it is is kind of up for debate. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not t- you know signing up for not being terribly excited about pitching. If you want to go out and spend forty million dollars a year on Harper or Machado or somebody that's young enough to really give you value for you know most of the contract, then I won't be as upset about it. But pitching wise, it's it's really scary at times. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm definitely team sign position players and trade for pitchers or develop pitchers, which they're obviously trying to do. And uh, next year's free agency and next year, you know, 
should be record setting for the amount of money given to people. Um, there, there's an absurd list of, of players who are going to be free agents, everybody from Harper and Machado, as you mentioned, Charlie Blackman, who's incredibly yeah. underrated. That's a name that you're going to hear a lot because he, he has some local ties. So you're going to hear that name. A mm-hmm. lot. I yeah. I mean, there's, if you look up the, the list of free agents next winter, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's an all-star team, basically. I mean, yeah. it is an all-star team of guys. And that's why really, and it's interesting. There was a lot of talk this week about just how slow the free agent market has been. And I think now that Wade Davis signed with, with Colorado, he was the first top 10 free agent from MLB trade rumors who was signed, yeah. which is pretty ridiculous considering it was December 30th. Um, yeah, I mean, Arietta and Darvish and, you know, everyone is out there. And by the way, I mean, it, it doesn't yeah. matter for 2018. I think 2018 is kind of – I'd be surprised if the Braves got in the mix on any of these guys. Um, at the same time, I think those are kind of the two names that you said, that Arietta and Darvish – are kind of kind of the perfect, not necessarily those guys individually, but just sort of embody what you're looking at starting pitching market. Even for 2019, it won't be those guys again necessarily, but the a little bit older, some injury stuff, high upside. But like, do you want to invest five years and in, you know a nine figure contract in those guys? I don't really want to do that. No, and unless you're the Dodgers or the Yankees or maybe the Red Sox, they could, they could afford to miss. The thing is, the Braves can't afford to miss on that kind of deal. Right. Like that's just right. not something they can afford to do. Right, like, and if and if you're the you know the Minnesota Twins are reportedly interested in Darvish, that's fine. And Darvish is certainly a good pitcher. But if you if you sign Darvish to the five year hundred and fifty million dollar deal, you were you know for a mid market club, you were basically taking yourself even from getting an you know an invitation to the dance next winter to sign the likes of Harper and Machado and and Kershaw and all those guys, right? If if you commit thirty million dollars. Unless, again, you're the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox where you have a $200 million payroll, you're just not going to have the funds to even you know, entertain offers. So, um, yeah, I think that's the big reason behind the, the slowing of this year's free agent market. No one's trying to spend right now. You have about 10 teams that are rebuilding, um, a couple more that are coming out of a rebuild like the Braves and aren't necessarily looking to spend big bucks on, you know, on someone right now. Um, and again, if, if you sign two big free agents this winter, you're, you're shooting yourself uh, and not being able to do anything in the next couple of years. And, and I'm just not sure teams are ready to make that commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes a whole lot of sense. And the Braves, listen, if the price were to come down on one of these guys and the Braves wanted to get in on, a, on not, not, it won't be cheap, but, uh, on a reasonable deal, if that were to pop yeah. up, then sure. I just don't see that really happening. So somebody's going to give these guys money and, uh, there you go. Um, okay. Well, by the way, in that, in that Bowman mailbag, you were a question asker, which I thought was fun. Um, I was, I kind of asked that question just on a whim and then it got picked up and it gave me Bowman a shout loves you. That's, that. that's well known. Like, yeah, Bowman's, he, Bowman's a good guy. I think he's, I think you're like the only one he follows out of all of us other than Carlos who worked for him. Um, yeah, Bowman likes you. So you're, you're, you're oh, yeah. in with Bowman. So if I ever need he's Bowman on the podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you ask instead of me. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Uh, no, anyway, he's a good people. It was an interesting question about the uh, bullpen, but the bullpen is such a sort of uh, full subject on its own that we'll probably hold that for a little bit later. Um, anyway, we can get into um, a couple of other things before we get out of here. Um, Zips, which is uh, the Dan Zaborski product that's, uh, you know, ESPN and Fangraphs uses it, and it's basically basically a projection system. It seems to kind of like the Braves. Uh, the, the Braves were included as one of four teams that could be their, their surprise sort of uh, twins-ish 
breakout team for 2018. It's, it, it should be noted that Sembrowski wrote about this on ESPN Insider and noted that he is not predicting that. And when the, basically the Braves being a contender-ish team for the playoffs in 2018 is not an, even an average outcome. It would be sort of an outlier for the Braves, but they're capable of doing it, which I thought was interesting. And he mentions, you know, the, the stuff that you, you have to think that would have to happen, like Acuna being good, Ozzy always taking a step, the pitching, of course, taking a step. All that stuff in a vacuum does not seem implausible. It's just kind of the thing where you have to have all that happen at once. Yeah, and it, you know it's interesting. And compared to the last couple of seasons where the Braves were at, where it's like, boy, if they can break seventy-two wins, it'll be a it'll be a marked improvement. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you or I or Dan or whoever else is going to come out and say, yeah, this is the playoff team next year, even a potential you know contender for a playoff spot. Um, but at the same time, it, it's fun to think about. And look, I think if if the Braves are going to at least uh, even contend for, to be five hundred. Uh, let alone win 85, 86, 87 games to get into one of the wild card spots. Uh, Ronald Acuna at age 20 is going to have to have a monster season. Ozzy Albies and Luis Gohara at age 21 are going to need to have monster seasons. Uh, Julio Tehran has to bounce back. Freddie Freeman has to be early 2017 Freddie Freeman and not post injury Freddie Freeman, right? Um, you know, Dansby Swanson has to bounce back. You need guys like Mike Fultonevich and Sean Newcomb to take steps forward. The bullpen has to be better with what seems to be a pretty similar group of guys as to what closed out last year. So uh, it, it would be a long shot, but hey, you know, the Twins were the worst team in baseball, um, uh, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever you want to call it. And, and they made a playoff spot. They, they made the wild card game and eventually lost to the Yankees. But it was a pretty remarkable turnaround. And I don't want to say it's impossible for the Braves because they're starting to see some of that talent creep up. And, you know, they're not starting. Adonis Garcia for 150 games. They, they, you know, they they shouldn't be in a situation where Jace Peterson is starting 150 games. Uh, it, there's at least some optimism, and it's a younger team, and it should be a pretty fun team to watch. But again, as as you and I and as Dan have all said, it would it would require kind of a perfect storm of things and some guys to really have big big years that at age 20 and 21 just isn't fair to expect of them. For sure, we're obviously going to do a lot of preview stuff between now and uh, March and April, but. You know, noteworthy, and you could sort of start dreaming if you want to do that. Um, there are ways where the Braves, same, same, it sort of goes back to the free agency discussion as well. There are ways in which the pitching breaks out and the Braves suddenly don't, quote unquote, need that top of the line starter. Um, that's at least conceivable. Like if some of these guys hit this year, they're going to be up, whether it be Johara or if you get a late, uh, a late arrival with Aller or somebody like that and in September, then they, they look fantastic. Then that need becomes lesser of a need than it probably was before. All that stuff. If you want to start dreaming, you could definitely do that. I'm sure I'll be lower on the team than the general consensus coming in, which is what happens. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited about the season, though, honestly, in a, in a way that I haven't been for a while. Because last year, we ended up being right. I think I nailed my projection, or maybe it was one one win too high, one win too low, something like that. We were kind of right about last year, for the most part. Um, obviously, the ways that you get there are never predictable, because it's baseball. But, yeah, I think we're going to be probably lower than the consensus just because that's the analytical approach we're going to take versus the fans who are going to be more, more optimistic. That's fine, by the way, because that's, uh, it's, it's, what being, it's what being a fan is. I think there are sports, and you and I cover, um, cover the Braves more than anything else, I think, especially in your case. And then there are teams that we are fans of, pure fans of, that, don't, that we don't cover, like your yeah. Colts um, or your Arizona Ugh. squad, that you would be a little that's bit right. more, uh, more fanny about, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I always say I want the Braves to win the World Series every single year until yes. the end of time. But, you know, at the same you, you do have to be realistic and realize there's obvious holes in this roster, and that's to be expected. I mean, this is a team that hasn't won more than 
uh, you know, 72 games. And I don't think has been an above 500 team since, uh, since 2013, obviously the last three years, they've lost 90 plus games. So they're kind of coming out of the rebuild. This is not the same situation of three years ago where it's okay. We can trade you, 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 and you, and let's just try to get the best prospects possible. Um, but at the same time, again, you're relying on a lot of 20 and 21 year olds and, and that's just really not fair to them to expect big things. I even think just as a product of being the hometown kid and the former pick, uh, last year, you know, with Dansby Swanson, I think there were unfair expectations on him, which everyone was, was guilty of, I, I think. Um, so again, it should be a fun team. If, if Luis Gahara is starting and you've got Albies and Acuna and Dansby, uh, you know, all the young kids, Freddie and Camargo and, and, if you have them out there, I'm certainly going to tune in much more than if it was, you know, journeyman X, Y, Z with, with Adonis Garcia and Jace Peterson out there. Cause those aren't guys who have a real future. It's, it's the guys like Acuna and Albies who are going to have me coming back every night. Yeah. That's one of the things that's uh, sort of appropriate to talk about and look at when you're talking about, you know, wrapping up 2017, looking ahead to 2018 is, um, you know, there was a little bit more of that last year um, than previous years, but especially looking into 2018, there really aren't going to be, those spots that just like leave you with despair and that, you know, we're not going to be around long-term. I mean, there are some spots where there are veterans that won't be on the team four years from now, like catcher, uh, you know, with flowers and uh, a Suzuki, those guys are older. They're, they're not going to be around long-term, you know, Nick, Nick Marquez is probably going to be on the team. And we'll talk about that here in a second, actually, but it's just, there's more optimism because of the fact that you're looking ahead at some guys that you think are going to be in the lineup for a long time. And there's always been some of that, but now there's just more of it. And it's all, it's a young team. It's, it's, it's an exciting team. There are reasons to check the team out on a nightly basis. That kind of gives you more optimism looking ahead to 2018. Um, last thing before we get out of here, uh, there were a couple of roundtable questions that we actually all answered on the site this week. Uh, I want to hit on a couple of those before we get out of here. And that's, um, Kind of the ones about about Marcakis, Acuna, and the rotation, just briefly. Uh, one of them is pretty easy, and that's what Nate Marcakis be on their opening day roster. Um, obviously, this is a guess because he's on the roster now, and the Braves would have to figure out a way to trade him. But, you know, gun to your head, do you think he's on the team when April comes around? I do. Um, I If you would have asked me this three weeks ago when Matt Kemp was still on the team, I would have said Marcakis is just, you know, they're going to eat 75% Strong of his three. salary and just <laughs> give him away. But now that Kemp is gone, you know, you almost, I was, you know, if you look at it from a pure money s- standpoint, um, you know, if, let's say you get rid of Marcakis, you, you flip him and you have to eat 50% of it. So you're paying him five and a half million. There's no one else on the roster or in, in the organization who's ready to start 150 games if you assume that Acuna is going to be in one of the corner spots and, of course, Ender. So at that point, it might actually cost you more money to get rid of him for the year. Now, if you're replacing him with a Christian Yelich, for example, then obviously you you make that trade 11 times out of 10. Um, but if you're if you're if the idea is just let's get rid of Marcakis and then sign a you know a John Jay or something like that to a two year deal for 15 million dollars, you know over the over the course of the contract, I don't know if that really makes sense. I would rather it just kind of write out <laughs> the year. So uh, three weeks ago, I would have said 90% chance Marquez is gone. Now I'll say it's a 30% chance. Um, you know, if the right deal comes along for a Yelich or someone similar, I, I would sure hope that Anthopolis would would pull the trigger. But um, having Marquez in right field for one more season is not going to be the end of the world. As we've said, this team right now, even if you know, you, you're the most optimistic and no other moves are made. I, I can't imagine them being projected more than 77 or 78 wins. Um, so if he's out there in right field and hits, you know, 280 and, and 
tr- catches the stuff that's hit right at him and has to chase anything that's not hit right at him. It's not the end of the world, and and it just kind of buys you another year of time, kind of similar to what we talked about with with the free agent pitchers, just kind of waiting and seeing where everybody's at in a year and, and then going from there. Yeah, I think there's no urgency now to move Marquecas. I still would do it, um, but if, if you're going to do it, as you kind of said, though, you, ha- you have to have a reason now. Um, it was coming into the offseason. You, you, you didn't want to see both those guys in the corner outfield spots. Now that Kemp is gone, you yeah. know, Acuna is the only guy that you have to have a spot for, and now you have a spot for him. I don't think Lane Ad- with all due, all due respect to Lane Adams, I'm not worried about blocking Lane Adams. Um, no. So Marquecas, you know, there are definitely options. Like Yelich is the most prominent one that's been discussed, and you know we should note that there's been a little bit of buzz there, but not really anything specific. It doesn't seem like there's anything uh, on the horizon necessarily there with the Braves and the Marlins. But um, if it's if there's a reason like that, if you go trade for a guy who is a real player, then yeah, make, get you know do whatever you have to do to get off Marquecas. If not, if your plan is to then go with Lane Adams or some stopgap guy, just keep Marquecas. Save whatever money. I mean, you you got to pay him anyway, but save whatever asset you have to use to get off of him, and just you know, like he's not good. But uh, you know, for instance, just play him in left field. Uh, play play Acuna in right field for most of the season. Play Marquez in left field. Hide him a little bit defensively, and he won't be terrible. He's not good, but he's not all. He's also not completely useless either because he gets on base. He's always going to do that, at least until he uh, is just so old that he can't do that yet. But I don't, we we haven't reached that point just yet. So if you have to play him in left field all season long. There's reason to believe that he'll be a, a positive player for you, you know, probably only slightly, but still, um, he's not terrible, and that's fine, um, as long as he's playing left field. I'm going to say this until every single day and from now huh. until March or April. Yeah. If they trot out Acuna in left field and Mark Higgins in right field, I'm going to throw a fit beyond all fits. It's going to be great. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm and, excited and about that, by the way. Just to kind of, I'm do sure it. we'll have this discussion They're in, do in it. three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things. If if Marquez plays 150 games, he bats sixth, and you know, again, puts up average numbers at the plate as he has. I mean, he's kind of the definition of a league average hitter, and, and catches that's at fine. least the stuff hit at him. I, I'm not yep. going to lose sleep over it. No, not at all. And that's uh, by the way, kind of, I guess this they sort of go hand in hand. One of the other questions was if you think Acuna is going to start the season on the opening day roster, and that's an important distinction because opening day versus like April fifteenth is kind of a debate right now. I think we all kind of know it's going to be middle of April at the latest, barring some sort of injury or something like that. But do you think he actually starts opening day? Because I'm on the side of no, even if I kind of hope he does. I'm, I'm with you. I hope he does, but I don't think they will. And it makes sense. I mean, it's from a fan's part. perspective, yeah, you want to see him. But would you rather have Ron Lacuna right now when he's 20 on a team, again, that's probably going to win 78 games next year? Um, or would you rather have another cheap season of him uh, when he's in, you know, who knows where he's at in six or seven years, right? But I would much rather have another arbitration season of, of Acuna when he's 27 than right now when those couple weeks are not going to be, I mean, even if he's an all world player, the difference between him starting the year in Atlanta and starting, you know, making his first debut either two or three weeks in, or if they want to hold them all the way until like the beginning of June, what's that a win? Maybe if he's a superstar, maybe two wins, if he's like a God, then who cares? Right. I mean, again, you need to kind of tamper expectations with him. Uh, I'm as excited about him as anybody, but if you're going into the year thinking that he's going to be Mike Trout right away, you're, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. He certainly could be that, but uh, I don't see it happening. Um, because In six or seven years when he's a cheap arbitration guy for the Braves. It's, yeah, it's one of those things, man. Like, I would I, – I understand both sides. I understand the fans thinking he's the best player. I don't care about five years from now. Let's see him. I understand the Braves side. I think it's – 
I think the system sucks, frankly, that yeah. it incentivizes the team to hold him down for two weeks. That makes no sense at all, but it's just the way it, it works. I mean, there was the huge controversy with Chris Bryant, uh, you know, two, three years ago now, and, you know, the Cubs, hold, the Cubs held him down. They were not at all subtle about it. They'll never admit it on the record. That's why they did it, but, like, everybody knows. Like, there's yeah. no... There's no cloak of uh, sort of. Uh, there's no cover here. Everybody kind of knows what the deal is. We'll see if they actually do it or not. But I'd be. Uh, I, I would expect the Braves if they were trying to contend this year to think about it more. But given that they probably aren't going to contend, there's no reason to start an opening day. So uh, you know it is what it is. We'll see what happens. But uh, that'll be a point of contention for sure in March and April, and uh, we'll get there. Um, lastly. The rotation is an interesting question because I think there's sort of an obvious five-man rotation that's out there that I answered as my as my answer when it came to uh, the question of what, what would the rotation look like on opening day. Is yours the same as mine? I think that there's an obvious five, but then beyond that, it, everything's kind of a wrinkle. But there's some buzz about Sean Newcomb not being in rotation, which I can't just see happening, honestly. No. Where no. are you with this? Do you see the same five I see? I do. I, I would imagine it's Tehran, Fulte, uh, Newcomb, Gahara, and McCarthy. Now I'm it. sure, as every team does with young pitchers, they'll you know they'll, they'll give the quotes to the the beat reporters and say that you know the only guy with a guaranteed spot is Julio Tehran, and everybody has to earn a spot and all that. It's kind of what they did with last year with, with Aaron Blair, Matt Whistler, right, Owen oh, Fulte, right? And it drove it drove us all crazy because we all knew Fulte was going to be a rotation, and Snit tried to act like it was some some sort of competition, and it's like no, it's right. not a competition. He's in the he's in the rotation. Just stop this. Like and, they were going to give Aaron Blair thirty starts. Yeah. Well, it on. wasn't even that. It was like Fulte was in rotation for half season the year before. Like there's no reason, and he wasn't bad like Whistler and Blair. Like there was no mystery with Fultonavich. Like he wasn't great, but like he was getting me in a rotation unless he unless his arm fell off, and they tried to act like it wasn't going to happen. So we're going to see that again. It'll be either either Newcomb or Johara or both will get that treatment this year. I bet it'll be like, well, we don't want to pencil those guys in. Like okay, oh, guaranteed, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I, and I get it, right? You don't want these these 22 year olds to come into camp thinking. You know they can they can mess around and, and be in the opening rotation. Not that they will, but I get it. You know it's 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 kind of the process, if you will, for spring training every year. And you always hear about the position battles that aren't there and everything like that. But yeah, it, I think it's going to be that five. If someone gets hurt, it might open up a door for a Max Freed, uh, maybe a Lucas Sims if they want to give him another year to try to be a starter. But um, I would imagine it's those five. I would imagine it's those five for just about all the season, as long as they stay healthy. Maybe if McCarthy gets hurt or traded, um, then it could be a freed or a little bit later in the year, maybe a uh, you know Soroka or Allard make their debuts, but uh, no rush at all with with any of the kids, and I think it's going to be those five uh, pretty clearly. Yep, that would be a big surprise if it wasn't. Frankly, again, barring injury, because you know injury is what it is. But I mean, there are a couple of people. There's people that we are that we think are smart that have at least posited the you know Max Free could beat one of these guys out. I'm like, well, yeah, he could, I guess. Oh, I, yeah. I just think what, what would it take for Max Freed to do in spring training to actually flat out beat out uh, Newcomb or Johara for hmm. a rotation spot? Like, I guess it would have to it be coupled with somebody me. else being terrible, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gahar, I think with him, is as high as I am on him. You know, he's only, he's 21. He only really has one full season in the minors under his belt. If he really struggled and Freed looked amazing, not that spring training stats tell any kind of a story, but it wouldn't stun me if if Gahara was in AAA and and Freed opened the year in Atlanta as a, in the rotation, but I really don't think that's going to be the way. Freed is also kind of an interesting guy, just given his injury history and how they're likely to protect his arm. 
Uh, and, and also, I haven't looked at it too closely, but I'm sure with um, with the, the way the schedule is going to set up, I know there's a day off right after the first series. All that it usually allows someone to get skipped. So maybe you know they'll they'll like Ohara miss and they'll carry another bench or bullpen guy for the first ten days of the season. So, um, but yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. Those five, barring an injury or just an absolutely abysmal uh, spring for one of the young guys, uh, those will be the five that they roll with. Yep, makes complete sense. Um, and uh, obviously, we'll talk about this stuff in a, in a big way. But wanted to look a little, a little bit ahead. And uh, shouts to Chris Willis, our fearless leader, for prompting us on those on those roundtable questions and inspiring yeah. us to do that little segment. <laughs> so there's yeah. there's yeah. that. Um, well, Scott, I guess we can wrap up 2017, man, with this uh, with this pod and look ahead to 2018. Nothing. Uh, I don't have anything you know super sentimental or important to say. But anything you want to get out there, please do. And if not, we'll uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah, it's uh, this upcoming week. I think starting Monday, the top thirty uh, talking chop prospects are going to get released from oh, all the prospect yeah. guys who do a great job. So I think it's thirty through twenty six, and then twenty five, twenty one, all the way down to you know number one. I would imagine we all have a pretty good guess at who's uh, one, two, and three on that list. But number one uh, is going to be Christian Pache. I'm pretty sure <laughs> he was on a list from uh, MILB about a I think top ten most likely hitters to break out or something like that this year. And I, I know he's a guy who a lot of people are high on. Yeah, so. he's a stud. But um, yeah, I should, but I no, should make, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't make fun of him, so I, I won't do that. <laughs> but we know who the number one guy is. I think we all know who that is, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, you know, but it, it was a good year. I mean, if you look at the Braves, it was certainly not a quiet year. I mean, if you would have said, a, I was tweeting about this this morning, but imagine if we had this conversation a year ago and you would say that uh, the GM had been banned for life, uh, oh. the – president of whatever john hart was would be fired slash resigned um yeah copy would never work in baseball again john hart was gone from the braves uh alex anthopolis was the gm brian snicker was still the manager um you know it's it's just kind of a you know matt kemp had been traded ronald acuna had become the number one prospect in baseball louise gohara had you know kind of went from a uh you know, guy with upside, but was really raw to maybe being the best pitching prospect in a pitching rich system. Uh, it was certainly not a lack of stuff to talk about. And, you know, we always have fun on the podcast. And for those who listen every week, we do appreciate you. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a, I don't know if I'd call it a fun year necessarily with all the bad stuff that happened, but hopefully 2018 at least should be a fun year with all the young guys. And I think the right people are in place in the front office now. So, um, Hopefully a good 2018, and this time of the year we're talking about a you know a bright future for the team. Absolutely, I I, I would have probably called it a fun year before the copy stuff, and then yeah, that type, that probably takes it away to a less than fun year overall. But yeah. there were fun moments, and uh, hopefully 2018 mm-hmm. will be better. And I think it, I, I think and expect that it will be on a number of levels. So including the team on the field, I think will be a little bit better yeah, as well. Absolutely, so, that'll be good. Well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate all of your uh, work this year, and we'll do it again uh, very often in 20, 2018. I have a feeling. See everybody next year. (laughs) (laughs) As Scott said, uh, thanks as always for listening to everybody. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and check us out on the site as well. We'll see you guys hopefully next week. If not next week, we'll definitely be back in the very near future. Whenever there is content, we'll be back in the semi-regular schedule soon. And uh, thanks as always for listening. We'll see you guys in 2018.